this week I uh, found that picture that I put up there. It was on the uh, it was on my bookcase, and uh, I saw it several times. Oh man, that's neat! And it reminded me of of uh, Memorial Day, um, this being Memorial Day weekend, and us honoring. Uh, those who have served and uh, appreciating what they've done for us and uh, remembering uh, that we live in a great country, but the reason we live in such a great country is because all of those who have sacrificed so that we could be here and have the freedoms that we do. Um, I don't have that gun anymore. I couldn't get it to be accurate. Uh, when it come, came to deer hunting, I couldn't, couldn't hit anything with it. Uh, it did a number on rabbits, though. We did, we did quite a few. I think there was 15 or 16 rabbits in one night. We hung on a barbed wire fence because of the um, ability of that particular weapon. But I appreciate the fact that we're allowed to have guns in this country. And, and there's various other things that that, that that picture represents. And so I, I put it up there on the board because I found myself thanking God uh, every time I saw it this week um, of the freedoms that, that we have. I appreciate that. So literally any time, if you get up in the middle of my sermon and go write something on the board, I'm totally okay with that. All right? It's part of worship. It's part of what we're doing. And um, so it's, it's totally acceptable to do that. Serve Day 2017 is coming up. Um, Dad mentioned it a little earlier. Um, there are um, several. I think everybody's, most everybody's got one of these, um, these project opportunities. If you haven't gotten one, you'll probably get one after, uh, after services. And uh, if not, there's a couple extras up here. These are all the projects that are available. Also on the back, on the back page, um, there is a uh, t-shirt order form. We want everybody in the, in, that's going to work that day, that's going to be a part of that, um, to order a t-shirt. It'll have um, serve team on the front, and it'll have our church logo on the back. And literally everybody all across town will have the same shirt on on that day. And uh, we want to join forces with them, uh, with every, all the other churches in town, and serve to the best of our ability that day. So please look through that and pick the project you want to be a part of. And um, I'll be talking to you on an individual basis to find out where you want to serve and, and how you want to serve um, on that particular day. Um, one other thing I want to mention, there is a table right outside these two doors right here. Don't go busting out the door because the table is literally right up against the doors. But right outside those doors, a, a large table full of all sorts of produce. H&S um, had a huge donation of produce this week, and we're not going to be able to get the, the produce out to um, families fast enough before the, that particular, the, this particular produce goes bad. And so please take anything and all that you can use. Um, literally, there is way more than I think any of us could even use. So um, do your best to fill up bags and fill up whatever boxes that you can find. And... Um, and take that produce home and use it. Um, let your family eat on it uh, all week this week. So don't forget to do that, all right, after services this morning. All right, we are in the Old Testament. We are on uh, in the Minor Prophets. We've called this series the not-so-inconsequential. I don't know what my mic is doing today, but it's sort of possessed. I don't know. You want to try batteries? It should be new. Okay, well, we'll, we'll hope it uh, calms down. Maybe the electricity in, in my body is going nuts or something, it's throwing it off. I don't know what's going on. So anyway, we're in, we're in the book of Jonah uh, this morning, 
And uh, so let's say the books of, uh, of the Old Testament, starting from Hosea on, the minor prophets. Uh, let's say them out loud together. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, there's our guy, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. All right, we got a few more, a few left. Uh, we're going to spend a couple of, of weeks on Micah. I think there's just too much there. I can't jam it all into one. Um, I was I was going to split up Jonah. I'm like, yeah, we're just going to stick with one week on Jonah and uh, do it that way. Hopefully, some of you got to see the movie. Um, the Sight and Sound, Sight and Sound Theater uh, presented that um, that play, and we watched that last Sunday night. Uh, it was a great way to get familiar with this path, with the scripture. It brought out some things. Um, that I had never thought of, and uh, so hopefully you were able to gain from that as well. I've uh, subtitled this, this message, You Can Run, But You Can't Hide. Jonah and the Whale is a very well-known story. In fact, it was one of those stories that the, the flannel graph, if you grew up in church, the flannel graph was always worn out on the, the, um, the Jonah and the Whale story. Uh, the whale always had some sort of masking tape, and so it didn't really stick to the wall anymore because it kept falling off. Um, the wall because it had been used so much. It's a very familiar story. Almost everybody has heard of Jonah and the Whale. And uh, we think of it as a kid's story, but in reality, there's a lot of really amazing things that for us as adults, oh, kids can learn from it too, but for us as adults, there's a lot here that we can learn. How many of you like to listen to the rain? Anybody like to listen to the rain? This building's amazing um, when it rains. Some, I mean, there, I'm sure there will be experiences we have that it's not so amazing because when it's raining so hard on this building, it's really difficult to hear yourself think in the room or hear someone talk in the room because it gets so loud. But any, several times this week, it was nice because I sit in my office and all of a sudden it just starts, you, know, you start hearing the little pitter-patter of the rain. And I've got a downspout right outside my office too. And um, so I hear the water running down the downspout. It's great white noise. Um, Mom and Dad got stuck in their camper by... I think on purpose um, this week. I think it was Thursday night. They went out there hoping that it would rain because um, they like to listen to that rain on, on the camper. Um, they spent the night out there, and I think it rained in the middle of the night, so they got what they wanted and uh, got some good white noise. But I think a lot of times these stories, these Bible stories become like white noise to us. Oh, we're going to talk about Jonah? Might as well just go to sleep. I've heard this story before. I don't want us to do that today. I want us to focus on this story. I want us to gain some things from it. I want us to pull some things out of it that we can apply to our lives and take with us today. So a little backstory on Jonah. Obviously, he was a, he was a prophet. Uh, he was a messenger for God. He, he was known for being one who spoke for God. God gave Jonah a message. God asked Jonah to go where? What town did he ask him to go to? Nineveh. God asked him to go to Nineveh and warn them of God's punishment. Nineveh was about 500 miles to the east, so that direction. And what did Jonah do? He went down to the seaport and he bought a ticket in the opposite direction. Tarshish was a couple hundred miles the opposite direction and, um, from where Jonah was. And um, so that was a bad deal. Jonah hated the Ninevites. They were cruel. They were evil. Um, instead of going to Nineveh, he obviously bought a ticket going the opposite direction. He didn't want to go there. He definitely didn't want them to repent. He wanted God to punish them. He wanted God to take them out. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Jonah uh, chapter 1. Uh, Jonah's on my, in my Bible, it's, it's all on one page. 
Like it's just one, two, three, four, all there on one page. And uh, but if it's not on yours, uh, sure you can follow along. We're going to focus mainly on the first part of Jonah, the first chapter of Jonah, and um, that's where we're going to spend most of our time. Everybody find it. Pretty short, short book, but you should be able to find it. I want us to go through this, and if you've got a highlighter, if you've got a way to highlight some things in this first chapter, I want you to just, I just want to point out a few things in this chapter. This story goes pretty fast, and we're, we're familiar with it, but I want us to highlight just a few things as we go. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. Highlight, underline, Jonah ran away from the Lord. He headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for, the, um, bound for that port. He, after paying for the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish. To what? To flee from the Lord. Underline, highlight, flee from the Lord. Jonah's running. Verse 4, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. On the sea and, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. Look at verse 5, the end of verse 5. It says, And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Highlight, underline, they threw the cargo into the sea. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell asleep, fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you be sleeping? Get up! Call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and, he will, and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What, what did you do? <laughs> what do you do? Where, where do you come from? What, what is your country? What people are you from? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of the heaven, who made the sea and the land. Verse 10, this terrified them. And they ask, what have you done? And in my Bible, it's in parentheses. Highlight, underlight this part. They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they ask him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Verse 12, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will, be, it will become calm. I know that, the, that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Highlight, underline, verse 12, that part in verse 12 where it says, I know that it is my fault. Verse 13, instead the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not. For the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord, please let us, not let us die um, for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. O oh Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. Notice how they asked for forgiveness before they did what they did. It's kind of funny. Verse 16, At this the men greatly feared. The sea became very calm. You see that in verse 15? After they threw him overboard, the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared. Highlight, underline, circle, whatever you want to do. Feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Yeah, when you're real scared of something, sometimes you like make vows, right? Make promises. 
when you're real scared, when God bails you out. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. We read on to hear Jonah's prayer. We find out that Jonah's, Jonah's uh, way of getting to Nineveh was a little different than he expected, right? Ships, the, the, the ship was the original plan, but uh, he, he kind of rode in a different type of vessel, right? This big fish. Dumped him out of, and, in Nineveh, and um, he preached. The people repented. Jonah was angry. <laughs> the story is incredible. I want to point out two things before we get into the expectations that I want to share with you this morning. If we fixate on the fish, if we fixate on this, this idea, like, how did this happen? How did this person survive in the belly of a fish for, for three days and three nights? We'll miss the elephant. If we fixate on the fish, we're going to miss the elephant. Kids like to hear about this great fish. We try to explain how this whole thing happened and how this person could survive. I can't explain it. Jesus couldn't explain it either. In fact, he just, he just referred to this story as a factual story, but he also referred to it as a miracle. Look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 39. It says, but Jesus replied, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them... Is the sign of a prophet Jonah. There's a sign. You want a sign? You want a miracle? Here it is. If you want a miracle, check out the check out the whale. If you want a faith builder, look at the great fish. Don't try to answer the unanswerable. We come across difficult passages in the scripture. We try to we try to help God try to explain these passages. Right? Newsflash. God doesn't need help. He doesn't need our help, especially explaining passages of Scripture. We get in a big mess when we try to explain the unexplainable. There's apologetics that try to explain it. I've heard stories. There's, there's dozens of stories out there where, where people have gotten swallowed by fish and, and lived and, to tell about it. There's a well-known story about a whaler who got swallowed. And when they killed the whale, they pulled this guy out alive. And because of the acid in the whale's stomach, he was like, he came out looking like an albino. And that's even how they explain how or why the Ninevites, when, when Jonah got spewed out on the land, why the Ninevites listened to Jonah because he looked so strange. His skin was all messed up. And they even say that that's why he was so concerned about the, the sunshine. Remember, he, he wanted to build himself some shelter. And he, God even made a plant grow to give him some shade. That's what they say. But once again... We're not here to explain it away. We're not here to, to try to understand it. We don't want to fixate on the fish and miss the story behind the story. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. If you get nothing else today, I want you to, to listen to this passage of Scripture. It says, The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them, but we and our children are accountable forever for all that He has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. God's decided what to keep hidden. God's decided what to reveal. The minute we try to explain the unexplainable, we look like idiotic speculators. Don't fixate on the fish and miss the elephant. God has a very important lesson here. We don't want to miss it. And second thing before we get to the expectations is this story is about disobeying God's clear instructions. 
They were clear instructions. God was very clear about these instructions. It wasn't some sort of difficult to understand instruction. What are the clear assignments in, in my life? What am I running from that God has told me clearly to do? How has God called you? What assignments has he given you? Kate even said it in his exhortation, if you feel called. Did any of you hear a voice when, after Kate said that and after he prayed? Did any of you hear an audible voice, God coming down out of the ceiling and saying, Don, go take the Lord's Supper. Did you hear it, Don? So we come up with these phrases like, I'm called to do this or I'm called to do that. It's totally okay to use those terms, but we have to understand them. Does God actually call us to do things like that? Maybe, maybe not. Is he capable of it? Yeah, he's capable of it. I've had people ask me, you know, how, did, how did God call you into ministry? Sometimes I just go with it and answer their question the way they want to hear it. You know, I say something like, oh, God has a funny way of doing things like that. You know, God came to me on, while I was riding my motorcycle and he fogged up my, my helmet and he wrote in the fog. He said, Lloyd, you're mine. No, actually, the way it happened is when we were building that new building out there on Southwest 14th, he, he was out there, and I was out there in the morning, and you know all those little cutoffs we had from the framing? He had written this message on the floor. It said, Lloyd, you are, need to come serve me now. Nothing could be further from the truth. God's capable of calling us that way, but that's not what happened. God's never called me in ways like that. Once again, I'm not saying he couldn't, but he didn't. Most stories like mine are very simple. Became a Christian at a fairly young age. As I, as I walked with God and he walked with me, the more I stayed in step with him, one, my life made more sense. It had more meaning. It had more purpose. Every time God would take a small step, I would try to mimic it. When he would take a giant step, I would try to keep up. When he would step to the left, I would try to step to the left. And when he stepped to the right, I would do the same. That's how God calls. Many times in this walk, he's blessed with directly answering prayer. Right? We find that happen. He approves of things that we try to do. He, he comes alongside, or we come alongside him, really. And he blesses the things we try to do. God's calling God's showing that his calling on us is legitimate. Don't run from clear instructions. We start saying yes to God's clear instructions. Our assignment is very rarely a place, a certain, a certain mate. It's, a, it's not usually a certain career. It's simply about how. God cares about how we work, how we operate our lives, how we honor God with our priorities. God doesn't care who you marry. He wants you to marry a Christian, but beyond that, it's about how you do marriage. It's not about who. God doesn't care where you work. He cares about how you work once you get there. When we get fixated on where and who and when and what, we miss the big how. God doesn't care what neighborhood you live in. Well, should I buy this house? Should I look in this neighborhood? Should I move to this town? God cares about what kind of a neighbor you're going to be, how, the, how you're going to operate being a neighbor in that neighborhood. That's what he cares about. We have to understand that God cares less about where 
and more about how. Yeah, people come into my office and say, well, I'm, I'm really concerned about whether or not I should marry this person that they're living with at the time. Why would, why would you think God's going to lead you to who you should marry when you've clearly ignored what he's said about sexuality? We have to understand that God cares less about where, who, when, and what. He cares more about how. Jonah tried to run from clear instructions. He thought it'd be okay. We do it all the time. Like, ah, oh, he'll, he'll be all right with it this time. Oh, it'll be okay this time. My circumstances are a little different than, you know, what the Bible says. So I think it'll be okay. Jonah tried to run from clear instructions. And when we do, we should expect some, some very clear things. When we say no to God's clear instructions, here's what we can expect. We're going to hit four things quickly. Number one, we can expect a storm. Jonah chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 says, But Jonah got up, went to the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. A little bit of thought went into this process. He had to actually buy a ticket in the opposite direction. When we say no to God's clear instructions, look what happens. Verse 4, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Do you ever feel like God never lets you get away with anything? I've said so many times in my life, I'm like, watch people, watch people next to me, and like, they just get away with whatever they want, and it seems like God keeps blessing them. How is that possible? Get so irritated at people and get away with, with serving God less than 100%. Why does God let them color outside the lines? Drives me nuts. They aren't just coloring outside the lines. They're coloring all over the wall beside the picture. They even seem to get blessed for doing the wrong thing. When it comes to me, every time I even have a, a slight slip outside the lines or if I even think about coloring outside the lines God slaps my hand then I come across a verse like Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5 through 8 it says my child don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as one of his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. When you feel that hand slap for thinking about coloring outside the lines, just remember, it's because God cares about you. He's claiming you as his own. God loves us too much to let us totally mess up our lives. I said it a couple weeks ago. God will wreck our present to secure our future. God's going to mess us up now so that he can give us a blessing for an eternity. Expect a storm. Second expectation. What can we expect when we say no to God's clear instructions? We can expect to put others in danger. Remember that little piece in in verse 5 that I ask you to highlight? 
says, they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Think about the captain of this ship. What was his job? His job was to take his crew. His job was to take this cargo to Tarshish, right? What happened to his job? Do you think a a sailor, a captain of a sailing ship in those days was uh, something that came easily? Do you think that anybody could just just jump on one of those bo- boats and, and captain a ship to, from, from wherever Jonah was to, to Tarshish? No. It's probably pretty difficult to get that job. Do you think he had a job after this one? Probably not. Do you think the owner of the ship or do you think that the, the company that, that hired him kept him on as a captain? Probably not. He lost his job. Think about the crewman. The captain wasn't able to pay his crew because the cargo wasn't delivered. All because of Jonah's sin. I wonder if Jonah thought about the backlash of his sin when he boarded the ship. He had told the boys. Remember in verse 10? It says they knew. <laughs> he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. Hmm. Jonah must have had a conversation with those deckhands. They knew what was going on. They knew what he was running from. There's always going to be Nineveh's in our lives. There's always going to be those clear instructions. Those, those things out there that God wants us to do that we have a tendency to try to avoid. There will always be, always be passages of scriptures that, that, are, that are clear instruction that we choose to ignore and to push under the rug. We're a very individualized people. We think our relationship with God is just between us and God. There have been times in my ministry that I've tried to show Scripture to someone who is maybe abstrayed or maybe is going in a, in a wrong direction in their lives. And they say, well, they say things like, well, I'm, I'm just at peace with this decision. I feel like I'm just at peace with it. I feel good about it. And in my head, I'm screaming out. How can you feel good about this decision when you know it's going directly against God's plan for your life? We often think that we're the exception to the rule. That we live in this bubble. That we live in this little bubble, a me and God bubble. And, and when I sin, it's just going to affect us. It's going to affect the relationship I have with God. That's not the case. We need to understand that our sin affects other people, sometimes in very profound ways. Verse 12 of Jonah chapter 1 says, Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know this terrible storm is all my fault. Jonah realized that he was causing other people pain and suffering, heartache. We looked at a couple other examples in our discussion groups, but I just want to point them out real quick. Joshua chapter 7. Joshua took over from Moses, right? Moses was a people who, man who led Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness. When they had gone through the wilderness, Joshua was supposed to take them into the promised land. Joshua took over. God asked Joshua to, what, march around Jer- Jericho seven times, and they defeated Jericho. This was the first fruits kind of a concept. Jericho was supposed to be God's. All the spoils from Jericho were supposed to be given to God, right? God asked us to do the same thing today. But in this particular case, one man decided it wasn't okay for all of it to go to God. So what did he do? He grabbed a little for himself. 
Aiken grabbed a little for himself. The moron Aiken decided to get, try to get away with keeping some of the spoils. What happened? They sent a small group into the next city to conquer the next town of Ai, and they were defeated. The army of Israel was defeated because one man thought he could get away with something. One man thought he lived in this little bubble between him and God. One man thought that his sin wouldn't affect other people. It did. The army was, was defeated. 36 men lost their lives. Fear, doubt, discouragement came over the nation of Israel because Achan sinned. Even after Achan watched the families of the fallen soldiers grieve their loss, he ignored the possibility that it was caused by his sin. He still fought right to the very end. Like, I didn't do this. It wasn't my fault. I don't know how the unseen realm works. I don't understand all the details of the things that go on in the spiritual realm of things. I don't understand the connection. How could just Achan's sin cause the whole Israelite nation to be defeated? How is that possible? I don't know. I don't know how there's a connection in that unseen world. I have no idea. I have to understand those closest to me will be affected the most when I sin though. Because it happened back then, it happens now. Carol and the kids will pay dearly if there's sin in my life. It's because they're closest to me. You have to realize that your family, your friends, the people that are close to you will be affected by your sin. Expect that those around you will be affected when you say no to clear instructions God has given I made a list of a few things that we think that, that we think are, are private sins. We think aren't going to affect other people. Alcohol abuse for one. What do they say? They say, well, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. It's a lie. All the interventions that go in and all the, uh, the family members come in and try to, try to help this person pull out of their, their addiction. It's all a lie. If you stay away from Nineveh, you affect those around you. Drugs are an obvious one, just like alcohol. Porn is a classic one. Oh, it's just between me and my computer. No, it's not. It goes far beyond that. Flirting with a coworker or a friend. Well, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm married to this guy, but, you know, it's just kind of fun to play around. And I'm married to this lady, but it's just kind of fun to, to flirt around. It's not just you. God didn't make you a flirt. That's all, that's all on you. It affects those around you. The way you dress, the way you, the way you act affects your children. Their actions will, will, will be changed by your actions. Bitterness and unforgiveness. Oh, it's just between me and God. No, it's not. Well, it's just affecting me. No, it's not. You're mistaken. Using your money just for yourself and not sharing with God's kingdom. When he asks, well, it's, well, it's just between me and God. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get caught up on the, on the next paycheck. It'll be okay. It's not just the people you aren't reaching because you haven't given. It's in that unseen realm. It's what it does to your children, to your spouse, to those around you. When we sin, there are consequences that go far beyond 
just us and just our relationship with God. David sinned. There's lots of trouble for those around him, right? On multiple occasions. He sinned with, with Bathsheba. And who died? Uriah. Had to pay the price. And then his son. And then God says that the sword lived in David's house. It was, it was in David's house the rest of his life. He had to deal with it. One time, it was Uriah. The next time David sins, just out of pure arrogance, we read it in 1 Chronicles. 70,000 people were killed because David was arrogant. David disobeyed God and counted the people. And 70,000 people lost their lives. Are you getting this? Sin has consequences far beyond just you and your relationship with God. Expect a storm and expect others around you to be affected and put in danger. What to expect when you say no to God's clear instructions? Number three, on the more positive side, we need to expect a pathway back to Nineveh. You always know you're still alive when there's a path back to what God said to do. Jonah knew he was still alive when he felt the whale turn and head back east. Right? He's like, okay, I'm going to make this. I don't know how, I don't know why, I don't know what for, but I'm going to make this. Was the, was the road nice and easy? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Was he affected? Yeah, he was. But there's always a path. There was a path back to where God wanted him to be. This is a story that's happened to me on multiple occasions, but I'm for the sake of you know, being accused of child abuse, I'm going to use my uncle and cousin because I know the story well. My cousin Arlen, um, very stubborn child. She was a little older than me at the time, so it was probably me who made the mess because we were at their house. It was probably me who made the mess, but her parents, my aunt, asked her to pick up one of her toys and put it in the toy box. And being the two-and-a-half-year-old that she was, she said no. So my aunt applied a little pressure to the seat of learning, and um, she thought, thought she took care of the problem, brought her back out, set her down, and said, you know, made the request, pick up the toy, put it back in the toy box. Arlen would not do it. So three or four spankings later, Arlen still refused to pick up the toy. So my uncle took over. After the first spanking, Uncle Jerry brought Arlen back in, set her down. I don't remember this. This is all told to me from secondhand. So maybe it was a totally different story. But the... The young girl, Arlen, was set back down, and this time Jerry picked up the toy, put it in Arlen's hand, and said, put the toy in the toy box. And Arlen threw it on the floor. It's never happened to me. None of my kids have ever done anything like that. So after several more spankings, Arlen finally broke. She picked up the toy and put it in the toy box. Then her parents gave her several more spankings after that. No, that's not how the story went. Of course not. Why not? She had broken, right? She had come to the place in her life where she realized she was wrong. She realized she needed to submit to the authority of her parents. There wasn't any more need for further discipline. God in the same way, once we get it, once we realize he's in charge, he settles the storm. 
The consequences weren't removed. Arlene still couldn't sit down for several days, I'm sure. She still had a sore bottom, but the storm was over. The discipline did not continue because she had broken. Always expect a big fish. God's going to give you a way back to him. Sometimes multiples. <laughs> for those of us who are a little more dense, God oftentimes gives us several more opportunities to get back to him. Jerry picked up the toy and handed it to Arlene. Come on, take it. Come on. This is an opportunity to get back where you need to be. God's always going to provide that. That way back. He's going to provide that big fish. I want to tell you, buying a ticket to Nineveh is a lot easier than going to Tarshish and then dealing with a storm and then spending three days in the belly of a fish. Just buy the ticket to Nineveh to start with. It's so much easier. But when you say no, expect, expect a big fish. Something is going to bring us back. And number four, <laughs> this is the one that's... It's obvious, but it's... Oftentimes we think it's going to be different. Expect the same assignment. Jonah's assignment didn't change. Just because he had to go through the storm and just because he had to spend three days and three nights in the belly of a whale, his assignment was still the same. He got spit out on the beach, spit out on the shore. He still had to go into Nineveh and preach the gospel and preach that God is going to destroy you unless you repent. The assignment doesn't change. God's will for your life is not going to change. It's not going to become some sort of new moral code or, or some sort of different relational code. It's not going to be a new financial uh, a way to financial freedom. It's not, going to, it's not going to change. It's always going to be the same. God's assignment won't change. The sooner we realize that His will isn't going to change, the minute we decide that His will isn't all that bad, the storm will be calmed. We can run, but we can't hide. Just buy the ticket to Nineveh the first time. <laughs> we need to buy into God's way. Understand that God's way is the best way and buy into it. Romans chapter 11, verse 29, we're going to end with this verse. God never changes his mind about the people he calls and the things he gives them. God's not changing his mind. God's not changing. It's going to be the same thing on the other side of the storm. The assignment is going to be the same on the other side of the storm. We just need to buy in to begin with. So what's it going to take for you? How many storms will you have to go through before you realize that God's way is the best way? It's the easiest way. It's the, it's the smartest way. Don't go to Tarshish and have to deal with the storm and have to go through the belly of a whale to get to God's assignment. Just do it the first time. Decide today to start doing life God's way. God, may we understand if we say no to your clear instructions that there will be a storm. God, may we realize that the hurt and pain we put others through because we have said no to your clear instruction. May we recognize that, the, that there's always going to be a way out. There's going to be a big fish to bring us back and help us never forget your will, your assignment for our lives will always be the same. Let's pray. God, thank you.
for the story of Jonah and the, and the way it brings these things to light, the way it brings it to the forefront of our minds. God, we thank you for, for giving us the story of Jonah and allowing us to see what happens uh, when we say no to your clear instructions. God, help us to buy into your way first. Allow you to reign in our lives, to be ruler of our lives, to be in charge of us rather than trying to pick our own path. God, thank you for how much you love us and care about us. Help us to understand from Jonah's story that the things that go on in our lives are due to the fact that we've probably said no to some clear instruction somewhere in our lives. God, help us to buy into your instruction and say yes to following your way. Pray this things in Jesus' name.